the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Hope you'll stay with us during this coming 90 minutes as we make our way through uh, uh, 90 minutes of discussion about the old book, the book of books, the Bible itself. Now, we are uh, a little bit ahead of our reading schedule this year. Uh, We are scheduled to start reading the book of Genesis and make our way for the 16th time through the entire Bible. We're... we're, um, we're ready to start that tomorrow. And let me tell you the good news. It looks like, you know, by God's grace and uh, holding out, you know, possibility of, of course, anything can happen. But it looks like all things have come together. To be, to be very honest, I think it's been miraculous. You know, the Jacob has been with me through the process of trying to see about getting the Bible live, the reading program back on the air Monday through Friday so that you'll be able to hear the scriptures, hear the Bible itself. Every weeknight, if you tune in as you're getting ready for the night's rest, uh, you know, as we always say, uh, let the last word, let the most important word you hear every day be God's word. And so we're uh, hoping that you'll be able to tune in at 9.30 in the evenings here on this great station and hear once more uh, every weeknight a 15 to 20-minute reading from the scriptures and the entire Bible through this coming year. So please uh, pray and trust with us, and I think it's going to start up tomorrow. You're not potted up yet. You're ready to go now. What? I'm sorry. What time locally? 
Our people are going to be able to turn on. This I believe at 9:30 in the evening, Monday through Friday. So locally, it'll be around San Antonio at 9:30. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, how are you doing with the daylight saving thing? Do you like going back and getting no, that? I wish they pick. Actually, I think it's unfair to children because they come home from school. They like get a little bit of daylight time, and then it's dark, and they can't play anymore. I think it's unfair to kids, and I think it ought to stay the way it was. Really? Oh, oh no, 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 look, I agree 100. percent But it, it's not. But it's not this time that's been changed. It's the summertime. That was when it changed. So we are back to normal now. I don't know how you figure that. I confused that. you. I can tell. Yeah, because uh, I remember you could you used to be able to come home from school and you could eat and play, go outside and play for two or three hours before it got dark. Now you know it's dark by six o'clock. I know. I, 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 I understand you, what you're saying there, but I'm just saying that daylight savings time isn't daylight savings time. The chain was they they moved the clock forward for the summer hours, right? So that there'd be more sunlight. Or or yeah. is it this no, time? No, no, no. They fall back. Now we're back to normal, right? No, I don't. Now that's what's throwing me off. I don't think it's normal. I think we're falling back. Do we spring forward or do I we think, fall back? I think I think spring forward is the. Is the I thought stuff. the spring forward was the change. Well, whatever it is. Well, let's ask. Let's Google it. Would you Google that for us, John? Yeah. Put the, look at your donuts and have a look at. <laughs> anyway, but I will tell you. You know, it's sort of like when you get up, because you go to bed, it's dark. You get up when it's dark. That's not fair for the kids. And it wasn't that way when I was growing up. At any rate, um, it's sort of like when you get up in the morning. Remember the old Groucho Marx line? You know, he, he got up early in the morning, and he shot an elephant in his pajamas. And, and how the elephant ever got in his pajamas, he don't know. But then he tried to take the tusk loose because he's going to keep the tusk. But he couldn't get the tusk loose because they were too tight. So he took the elephant to Alabama. Do you know why? No. Because he took him to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, ka-ching, ka-ching, whatever the, what, or the, or the pa-dump, pa-dump, you know, the, the, the rim shot. But, uh, okay, uh, now you are going to get that information for us, right, John? Uh, what is, maybe some of our listeners can help us out. This is well, Whatever it is. It's it used to be, it, it used to be, it didn't get dark after the kids got home for a few hours. Well... I know, but that's not the issue right now. What we're trying to find out is which one changed. Is it the John, summer hours? We're saying which one is the adjusted one, the springing forward or the falling back? Yeah, which one is the real? Now we've forgotten what the real hours, right? That, I guess that's what I'm that's saying. That's what happens with the Bible. You get all these people saying what they think things mean, <laughs> and pretty soon you all forget what it really says. That's why, uh, like Tim Allen says on Home Pro, that's why you need a real home mechanic, which is soapy. Because you're going to read the Bible to them, oh. and you're going to be able to actually say what it says instead of telling people yes. what you want it to say. That's what I like about the program. You know that the yeah we all have our thoughts we have and we you know i've spent a lifetime walking with the lord and trying to understand his word and trying to minister his word to others and answer tough tough questions that people have and help make sense of it for uh not make sense of it but discover the sense of god's word and uh well, that's why i like the concordance do you know why mm-hmm. uh, biblical concordance do you know why i like that because well, you a, are a walking concordance. Well, no, no. The reason I like it is because it's about time somebody put that book in order, the Bible. <laughs> and it's all the alphabetical order, you know. <laughs> so there you go. Well, what are we finding out, John? Is it 
Is it the summer months that are changed? I think it's the summer it's months weird. that are changed. Read this from Wikipedia. Okay. The practice of advancing the clocks during the summer months so that evening daylight lasts longer while sacrificing normal sunrise times. Uh, so that's the idea. It's the summer months that have been changed. So I said. Now we've reverted back to original normal yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, typically, regions that use daylight savings time adjust clocks forward one hour, close to the start of spring, and then adjust them backward in the autumn to standard time. All right, I was right. Oh, I just love it. When can I'm you right. imagine Wikipedia being wrong? <laughs> yes, I can imagine that too. Well, let's see here. We're, we're, we we can talk about all things biblical tomorrow, uh, God willing, and, and by His grace. And honestly, folks, almost miraculously, we're going to be able to start reading the Bible on the radio again and it's not just commentary Jacob and I love being here and we love talking about the Bible and exploring it and trying to uh, clarify and taking your questions taking your comments and your thoughts about biblical uh, the biblical message what it says and uh, we love that but there's nothing that can be nothing can be more important than listening to the book itself just just listening to what it actually says. Now, I know there's some complication uh, in that we are reading a book that is thousands of years old, written thousands of years ago, that it was written in another language, in another time, in a period. And, and, and yes, the transmission and the, us getting that. We talked all about this last week, uh, that, that, that frankly, the, the evidence is very, very strong that we are listening to uh, and we are reading, uh, when you read one of these good, clear, modern versions of the Scriptures, you, we're, you're reading the thoughts uh, the, as best it could be transmitted from language to language and, and so on. Through, You're reading the, essentially what people said. Now, Jacob is here because you have a working knowledge and a better understanding of that, that original, the Hebrew, particularly the Hebrew language. Um, and the Hebrew culture, the Hebrew um, history, and all of that is important in helping us understand what uh, what is being said, what has been explained, what and in, in, in uh, particular Old and New Testaments, even our, in the New Testament, we need that Hebrew perspective because these were Jewish men and women. Jesus Himself was a devoted, practicing Jewish believer. Went to synagogue and 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 did you know he 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 was Jew, Jewish Jewish really faithful, and so it is it is really unthinkable that we would be able to really understand uh, this book in, in, in completely and and accurately I think without uh, without reference to that that Hebrew the Hebrew roots. So uh, now I think you guys complicated a little too much sometimes, Jacob. You guys have been studying it too long. <laughs> I think that Paul was accused of that by somebody in the Book of Acts. Yeah, I think you're right. But, said, but ah, too much studying has made you mad. Yeah, I know. Well, you guys have. Y'all been looking at this thing for you know what three four thousand years, and you've been writing about it. You've been you comparing. You know you you talk about a concordance. You guys you connect verses to ver- you connect the dots beautifully and powerfully, and 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 I, I benefit greatly from it. But sometimes mm, I think 
maybe sometimes you're just a little bit too smart for our own good. You know, you just have too many. It, you know, what you were telling me about Abraham and Isaac. I mean, I, I know well, it's wonderful. Let's, 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 let's talk about that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I know you want because you got to great... give them the background as okay. well because uh, right, you, really you know Bible what study this week. Well, yeah, because I, I did attend uh, a friend of mine's class. It's uh, 35, 40 people in there. Some of your friends are in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, uh, and, and, and I noticed, like, they were debating what sin is. And I noticed, and they were debating about what, uh, what, um, uh, what is the unforgivable sin. And, and yeah, I, find, I, I found, you know, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it says. But well, can I just stop? I, I promise. I'm no, no, it's, it's fine. But this is an example of sometimes of what I... I mean, do we really need to have a study about what sin is? <laughs> Aren't we all I can tell you this. Those are all very, very nice people. Yes, I like yes. them a great deal. Yeah, uh-huh. But I listen very carefully to how people present it. And there's, it seems quite frankly, to be somewhat fuzzy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we take something that really is, really, we kind of all know in our heart of hearts. No, you don't. What? I'm going to guess you don't. No mm. offense, but I'm okay. going to guess you well, don't you know. you may be right there. Because uh, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, the Bible is distinctly clear, clear, clear mm-hmm. on what sin is. It's not even a maybe. Are you talking about sin and iniquity and the? the three, I was not, three? but if you'd like, we can. No, but uh, no, I understand. <laughs> it's too complex. He just for my waved at mind. me. He waved at me and stopped me dead in my tracks. Uh, but no, no, I'm talking about just sin. Uh-huh. Okay, and we know that is kind of like a word messing the mark. When they first started talking about messing the mark, I thought they were gonna. They, some of the Bibles I had did not have the book of Mark in it. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. Um, but at any rate. Um, we need a lot of rim shots for you yeah. tonight. Where's that rim shot thing? I'm going to need it. I can tell. Um, go but, ahead. Okay, but see, what I hear is people struggle because, you know, good people, like let's say in that class, mm-hmm. they they want to be good folks. They don't want to do sin if they can avoid it. Their of heart's course. not into that. At any rate, so, uh, but to me, that's not a, a real issue because to me it, I, from my understanding, uh, sin is very clear. It's violating what God said not to do. And, I mean, you can't get around it. It is so clear. One of the examples is in Numbers 15. The other example is in chapter 1 of Leviticus. It's so clear. It's very, very clear. And so I don't – now, there may be different you – know, I, I would agree. I mean, that is – Fairly straightforward, yeah. simple, and so and so. When I find people struggling, I find for and I, I'll grant you, it's probably a little more structured than what people are kind of used to. And uh, but you know, I, I'm overwhelmed, frankly, by the sincerity and the goodness of the people like in that class that want to do, really understand and really want to do the right thing. But as to the definition of sin, it is. Historically, biblically, Old Testament-wise, two requirements. One, uh, doing what God said not to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, And okay. it's unintentional. Now, that is the biblical definition of sin. Unintentional. Now, well, unintentional. Doing what God says not to do, how about not doing what God says to do? Uh, you know, that's fascinating because that is not the definition. Okay. 
Uh, but that, so it is fascinating. But for example, Jesus, if I may borrow him for a moment, he actually had it correct. Now, in the book of Leviticus, a lamb is used for sin. And Jesus on the cross, he makes the statement. He says it. And my goodness, he gets it right, 100% right. He said, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. That's not knowing is unintentional. If he did not say, Jesus did not say, forgive them, they know exactly what they're doing, because that would be intentional. But he was being gracious to them, right, in, uh, in saying that? Because it isn't... Uh... Gracious, yes. But was he quoting it correctly? Yes. Okay. So my point is, how you read it changes things. And we were talking about... Uh, the offering of Isaac in your in your office before he got on the air, and everybody knows that uh, they're going Abraham's going to take Isaac up to the mountain. He's going to offer, make an offering of him, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Mm-hmm. And here's an interesting verse. Now, and people read this like it just flows like a story, mm-hmm. but yeah, that is a problem sometimes when you read the Bible. I, even not only this, no. not only this one. But let's say you read a, a different portion of the Scripture in the New Testament as well. Let's say Matthew mm-hmm, is going mm-hmm, and telling mm-hmm, the story. Mm-hmm. We often read it like everything just follows right after the other. One event just comes right. And, and what we don't realize is sometimes a week or two, mm-hmm. time has passed there between one incident that's being explained and another. And so uh, that is a complicating factor. We have to be aware of that. So this this experience with Abraham and, and Isaac has a yeah, now, and it does. For example, chapter Genesis 22, 7 says, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham. His father, he spoke to his father. Let me read it correctly. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? Now, we tend to read the next sentence with it. That is a complete conversation. It's over. That conversation is now done. And I told you, like in the office, like the Clint Eastwood movie where uh, the Unforgiven, when he, uh, he says uh, to the young gunslinger, oh, when you kill a man, you take everything he's had and everything he's going to have. Well, now picture that. My father is one complete conversation. It's over. Eastwood is one of my favorite theologians. Uh, he's, he's good. Yeah, and he never asks for a collection plate. No, he never does. Uh, but, uh, so, but then later, a period of time, now Abraham says, here I am, my son. Now people tend to put those two sentences together. If I offer the idea of separating them as two separate conversations, I think it starts making sense. Abraham, Isaac is realizing he's the offering. And he says, Father? Because he's getting the idea, it's me? Now, a little bit later, Abraham makes a statement, and people think he's talking to his son, answering his son, Isaac. But he's not. He's talking to God. He says, Here I am, my son. In other words, all I've ever been and all I'm ever going to be, God, is my son. Everything I am is up to this point, my son. And everything it's going and everything it's going to be uh, ever is in my son. Yeah. So could I say he's that's particularly true in his case, right? Because right. this was the son of promise. Right. God, I'm going to give you a son, and and, and so. 
it's not just a fatherly thing to say that any of us would say about our son, Mm -hmm. but even more than that, for Abraham, he does know that that this is is the son of promise, Mm -hmm. Isaac is, that God has given him especially. Right. And, and his and old age, theologically, uh, all that I am is is in my son. Yeah. Yeah. So if he kills his son, mm-hmm. Abraham is now dead, and he has no depend, no descendants, no future. Because nothing. God promised that He's going to give him a son, and He's going to make him a father of many so nations. So now, if you yeah. start taking the sentence that way, mm-hmm. it begins making a little more sense. He's saying to God, "Well, here I am." It makes sense, my son. Mm-hmm. Here I am, my son. He's saying, if I kill him, not only the promise, as you said, but also everything I've been and everything yeah, yeah. I shall be is over. Yeah. Then it goes on to the next, then we have a third conversation. If you learn to break up these conversations, it starts making a little more sense. Then uh, it says, uh, son said, well, let's see, I see you got the fire in the wood, but uh, there's no lamb for the burnt offering. It's the, this is a third conversation. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself for the lamb. And so the two of them walked together. Now, what's the purpose of that? The two of them walking together. Abraham knew what he had to do. Isaac, that's uh, verse Mm -hmm. 8. And now Isaac understood what he was supposed to do. The famous line that occurs in the New Testament a couple times about how can two walk together unless they agree. This is where it comes from. Well, that's Amos, actually. Okay. And Mm -hmm. it says, so it is. So the two of them walked on together. Because now they could both agree. Abraham agreed. Isaac agreed to go along with it. Isaac is 37, I believe, at this time. So he's not a little boy. Amos 3.3, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Isn't that somewhere in the New Testament? Somebody quotes it. Oh, yeah, they quote it. But for once, I'm the one quoting the Old Testament, and you're quoting the New Testament. What are we doing here? Are we going crazy? Are we... We're getting mixed up. Uh, <laughs> it could be. The faster you spin a frog, the quicker you make butter. You know, that's that's uh, that's uh, Mark, Mark Twain. Twain. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so uh, the uh, I remember when my my grandmother, my great grandmother, died at 101, and they used to actually churn butter and make uh-huh. ice cream and stuff. And she told me a story that she heard from Mark Twain when she was a little girl. And I've never heard, seen this in a book. I've never seen it anywhere. But Mark Twain, I guess everybody thought it was farm humor. Everybody thought it was funny. But Mark Twain talked about how they put some milk in a one, one of the, the churn. It uh-huh. goes up and down. Sure. And a frog jumped in there. And they didn't have to do it because the frog jumped up and down until they made butter. <laughs> now, I guess, the, and she told me she went to, to a place where Twain was speaking. Her dad took her. Uh-huh. And uh, she, they heard that and they thought that was a funny joke. Oh, I bet so. He was he was the first of the great stand-up comedians, I think. Alright, so so you got the two walk together. So now we got them both understanding. Abraham knows what he's doing. Isaac knows what he's doing. But they agreed. Mm-hmm. And that's why Isaac's carrying the stuff because, you know, Abraham's an old man. Isaac's a nice, strong young man. He didn't have to agree. And so yeah, he could run faster than his old, you know, his, sure. his dad, and and uh, and so and actually in the Hebrew submitted. it's called in Hebrew it's called the akeda, not that that's important, but it's called the binding of Isaac, not the sacrificing of Isaac. Anyway, so every later descendant of all Jews, all tribes at that time at that moment was in the body of Isaac. Mm-hmm. So when Abraham says, "Here I am." My son, 
All I've ever been, all I will ever be is right there in my son, God. If you want me to sacrifice him, not only as you said, the promise is over, everything's done. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's a sword that hangs over the head. An angel stops Mm -hmm. from the sacrifice of Isaac. And what's interesting about that word in Hebrew, the sword has a name, or the knife has a name. Hmm. You're going to love this. Really? Yes. And it's the same root word as Bethlehem. Whoa. Right. How about that? And so, now picture this. Every descendant of every tribe, every Jew is in the body of Isaac. Okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a knife held right over him. God did not let him be killed, but the knife was over him. Now, why is that important? Because there's a message there, a lesson, that the Jews will not die because God said they won't die. But they will always have a knife over them Hmm. because somebody's going to want to try to do them in. And so that gives you a perspective of understanding from a Jewish perspective what that story is about. I want to enlarge that perspective. Why, of course. From from Jewish, I I don't mind the word Jewish there if if you want. No. Uh, If you include all of the people of God, all all of Israel. Uh, I think there is a broader... I think that the knife will always be over God's people. We're not ever going to win popularity. I will even strengthen your strengthening. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I'll say you're right, because here is the situation. We all know Christians are on the dietary needs of lions. Mm -hmm. We also know that Christians even today are persecuted in the Muslim world all over the place. Mm -hmm. The Christians are really in terrible shape, and it doesn't get talked about. And so everybody wants to always, let's make peace with these guys. You can't make peace. It's religion. Mm-hmm. They believe this is a religious thing. They're like in Sudan and the other places, the Christians are under terrible persecution mm-hmm. and killing. So they are grafted in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make a light of it, but it's sort of like welcome to the club. Yeah. You now have the... You're part of. You want to be part mm-hmm. of it. You're part of it. Now you got the knife over your head. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Well, that 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 is a powerful image that we see there in Genesis when Abraham takes Isaac and they go and and it, it is it's on several levels on on a, just even a just even just a normal English reading of that of that passage. What is that? Genesis chapter twenty two. Twenty two, just a normal, easy, casual reading in English. It's a very touching story, anyway. But it has, uh, for for all dads would think, oh man, how terrible that would be, and so on. But it has a profound theological and uh, truth for us as believers about our relationship with God and about the redemptive plan of God. Uh, for sure, it's it's really, really I like that. I like it very much, Jacob. Thanks for sharing it. We're gonna have to go. There's our music for our first. Uh, our first segment is over. Uh, folks, give us a call, 340-9585, 210-340-9585, and we will be right back. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Need wisdom? Seek it from the source who alone can provide it. God. Hi, and welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading is titled Wisdom Source, and it was written by Jennifer Benson Schult. A man filed a lawsuit against a woman claiming she had his dog. In court, the woman said her dog couldn't be his and told the judge where she had purchased it. The real owner's identity was revealed when the judge released the animal in the courtroom. Tail wagging, it immediately ran to the man. Solomon, a judge in ancient Israel, needed to settle a somewhat similar issue in 1 Kings 3. Two women each claimed to be the mother of the same baby boy. After considering both arguments, he requested a sword to divide the infant in half. The real mother begged Solomon to give the baby to the other woman, choosing to save her son's life even if she could not have him. Solomon gave the baby to her. Wisdom is necessary as we decide what's fair and moral, right and wrong. If we truly value wisdom, we can ask God for a discerning heart like Solomon did. God may answer our request by helping us balance our needs and desires with the interests of others. He may also help us weigh short-term benefits against long-term, sometimes eternal gains so we can honor Him and how we live. Our God is not only a perfectly wise judge, but he is also a personal counselor who is willing to give us godly wisdom in great amounts. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Daily devotionals, community events, audio from your favorite ministries, and timely articles for the Christian family. All in one place. AM630theword.com. That's AM630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. The Christian duo for King and Country is making some high-charting waves these days. Their new album, Burn the Ships, debuted at a lofty number seven on Billboard's mainstream album chart. It's really nice to look at the charts and see something positive and uplifting there, especially when the media and entertainment industry so often majors on the depressing and the negative. the ships talks of life struggles but each of these 11 songs brims with themes of hope and perseverance amid life's difficult seasons and scary moments calling on joy to be our anchor through it all it's a positive set of songs to sail into for a full review of the album be sure to check out pluggedin.com slash radio i'm bob olszewski for focus on the families plugged in 
Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar, and we are back on the air. I Can I ask you a question? Give us a call. I need to ask you a question. Okay, on the introduction, we, this year, we, if uh, since everything's going to get renewed, is it going to say like Soapy and somebody else? Don't say any name, just somebody else. I think we probably will bring you on to the uh, intro uh, this year. We'll probably find uh, time to make that correction. Uh, now that you've earned your way, it's been only about. Three yeah, four years I, I now. Know. So. And here's there is a guy who really wants to talk to you, and his name is Jesse. Let's go and talk with Jesse. I, Jess. Oh, hey, we and also let's get out the phone number. Did you know that we have a phone that's two ten, three four zero nine five eight five. And Jesse has his. Uh, I think he has his radio on because I'm hearing an echo in the background. Maybe Jesse, can we get you to turn the radio off in the background so we don't get an echo? We want to hear what you have to say tonight. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to make one little point. It may not be very important, but regarding what your guest said on uh, Chapter 22 of Genesis. Yes. Uh, let's see. It was uh, verse 10. Well, it says that Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the gentleman seems to interpret it as if it said, and Abraham took the knife and stretched forth his hand to slay his son. See, the way the way it's stated in, in verse 10 is that he just reached out to grab the knife, not that he had the knife in his hand and was stretching it out over the boy. It's something you have to read very carefully, but there's only one real interpretation. Everything else is a misinterpretation. Let me look at that, Jesse. Explain it again to us slowly now. You have the scene. Uh, uh, Are we already at the uh, place of uh, sacrifice where where Isaac is, is, uh, I, I assume Isaac is laying on the altar? Is that yes. right? And you're talking about the the knife that has been held over him. Is that the the point you're making? Right. That that it's not held over him. It's it's. See, it says that Abraham built the altar, laid the wood, bound his son, and now, okay, he, he bound his son, and then he laid him on the altar. Now the next thing was to grab the knife. Yeah, it says. And so Abraham, that's, that's what he did. Abraham, Abraham he just, picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. He, and at that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, yeah. Abraham, Abraham. So so what I'm saying is that the angel didn't stop him at the point where he had the knife over his over his son. The, the angel stopped him as soon as he grabbed the knife. He stopped him before he put put his hand up to, to, to drop it down on his son. 
He stopped him before that. He didn't wait till the very, very last split second. I get it. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Um, right. Um, he I, he I stretched his hand I, first. I, he, he, stretched, he only stretched his hand out to grab the knife. He didn't, he didn't have the knife in his hand yet. Not held over the, the child. Okay. Well, right. It, it's something. It's, it's something that a police detective would would you know kind of like kick on. Uh, uh, sure. But it could be. It can be important. It can be important in court. So you know, it's important. It's a good. It's a good observation. I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you that for sure. And, and uh, we're going to give you a degree in for forensic crime detection here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, like I said, I mean, it depends. No, it's good. It depends how it depends how you want to read the Bible with a fine tooth comb, or you just want to read it casually. It, it's up to you. Yeah. And it may not. It may not. I. You know, I'm not sure how exact. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean exactly. Uh, good, Jesse. Thanks for calling in. You know what your name means, Jesse? The name means? Well, uh, let's Hebrew, see. Isn't that the father of David? In Hebrew, he was the father of David, yes. But do you know what the name Jesse means? It's going to be very helpful and enlightening. I think it's going to be, no. very, it's going to be very exciting to you. Tell me what it means. It means a stump. Remember what? That, that the Messiah is to be come out of the stump. Look in Isaiah chapter six. Oh. it always talks about a stump, you know, and the word okay. means a stump, like a you know, cut off a tree, and 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 the, the shoot that issues out from it, of course, is Jesus. Oh, isn't that interesting? Well, that's that's figures because I often do get stumped. <laughs> <laughs> You're very good. You you should have a career in radio, Jesse. <laughs> Thanks Thank for calling you, in. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're a very gracious host. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank good to hear from you, Jesse. Well, go for that. Jesse's kind of reading with a fine-tooth comb here, and he doesn't exactly well, I can say... See, I can see how he could derive that because uh, uh, stretching out your hand is... Uh, uh, I believe more of an active word that it's actually in the process. So it's like. So where is uh, the idea of stretching out his hand? Well, I says, "Can uh, I see what Jesse's referring to?" And I guess you know you could read it that yeah, way. Uh -huh. Abraham. Would it change us. anything that you said? Any of well, the um, insight there? I can tell you this: the <clears throat> I don't believe in the historical understanding that it means that he's just going to go over to the and get a sharp knife out of the drawer. I think it means he's got the knife, and mm -hmm. stretching out your hand is a, a euphemism, an idiom for getting ready to use it. Mm -hmm. um, like um, they had an old idiom about, uh, "See, my hand is in in my like in my pocket," which mm -hmm. means my mm -hmm. hand is not pulled out to as mm -hmm. a, to hold a weapon. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I can see how Jesse can get that. I, but would that I, change your point? Well, it might, and I, um, I think I would. I think I would respectfully disagree. I think stretching out means he was, he was holding it over the head of. I see. Of, uh, and he's thinking it means stretching his hand to grasp the knife. Right, and it's and any time you're reading, 
but today we have the Bibles are very, very good. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the best literal translations is NASB. But um, I, I, and this is great translations these days. But, you know, any time that you're reading something from one language to another, at best you're reading a skillful commentary. Mm -hmm. it's, and that's really what it is. But I, I would... I probably would respectfully disagree mm -hmm. with Jesse, but that's okay. I mean, it's it's, it's a big sure. world. Sure, mm -hmm. but it, it it does change the point you were making. Ah, uh, somewhat because I think that the idea is the because the actual the, the knife uh, actually has a name, and that name is fascinating because it really is the root word for Bethlehem, and so. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it, and, it is. And, and it also has also included in there uh, in the name of the knife to eat up, like the knife will eat him up. And so uh, all those together, I think I would be still forced mm -hmm. to traditionally hang on to what I understand that it means. Well, since we're talking about that particular story, and, and of course we can talk about anything because we're not tied to specific scriptures uh -huh. this evening, um, this mount, uh, they have they have climbed a mountain. There, in terms of where this experience takes place, and if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. it's called Moriah, Mount Moriah. Is that true? And is that it, it's the Temple Mount, right? Uh, where David, let's see where, what we got. Where Abraham let's go back has taken, and says, uh, look at verse fourteen. What's your verse fourteen say? Um, Twenty-two, fourteen. Uh -huh. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns and things. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place yeah, of his that's son. That's fourteen. Just a second. I'm getting oh. there. I'm just getting a little context. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Uh -huh. So Moriah mm -hmm. uh, became what we would call Horev. Uh -huh. By the way, here's an interesting tie-in. Horev means in sword. Sword. Uh -huh. uh, get uh -huh. the, get anything? Where would that come from? Maybe the knife. I don't know. Maybe. So and mm -hmm. and it's uh, that's where I believe it says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Well, Mount Horev, the sword is sharper and has two edges, what you shall do and what you shall not do. It's two edges. All right, all right. And then, of course, uh, later on, it also became what we would call Mount Sinai. That was a really amazing moment, wasn't it? When the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham and said, This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Oh, well, pause at that line. What I know you verse love that. I knew verse? you were going to stop us. That's verse 17. 17. Okay, well, why don't <laughs> Your descendants uh, will be multiplied beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Go for it. Okay. I know you love that phrase. Well, it's because uh, if you that's an example of idioms, because... It's not talking about numbers. Certainly the idea of numerosity or the numbers is there. But look what it says when it says, We'll multiply your seed as the stars in the heavens or the sand on the seashore. 
so the numbers will grow and the numbers will be there. But sometimes they'll be the stars and sometimes they'll be like the sand. When they obey the Torah, they'll be like the stars. And when they do not obey the Torah, they'll still be there. There'll still be people. There'll be numbers, but they will be walked on. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, what it's like to be the people of God, right? Uh, the, we, have, we, I guess we can be stars or we can be uh, sand uh, and get walked on. Uh, so, but uh, I was actually kind of hoping that Jesse was going to address the idea of what I said about the separate conversations as you read it. My f- father? Uh-huh, like uh-huh. you can almost see if because you don't need any more to that conversation when that moment that Isaac realizes whoops I may be the guy here he says father and uh, and then later Abraham's actually saying here I am God I am my son yeah. now I would say that a, a Christian theologian could knit that meaning up pretty darn close here I am my son Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I get it. Um, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. I mean, whom I have given you. This Isaac is, a, and, and it was through Isaac that God was going to bless Abraham and make him the father of many nations and all of that. And now all of a sudden he's, so, he's saying, go and give that up. Go give him up. And, and, and Abraham is willing to do so. Oh, Hebrews talks about this. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament about the faith, his faith that he was willing to do that. Even uh, even it says in the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed that God, he was willing to do this as difficult as it was as a father in the first place. And secondly, theologically, God, you can't do that. You gave me this. As son. a matter of fact, if you go back and look at the line that says, Abraham rose very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that line means from mm, uh, the, me. from the Hebrew is? In other words, there wasn't a moment of hesitation. He didn't debate with God. He didn't argue. He said he, he rose early in the morning means he went to carry out exactly what God said to him. Mm. But if you read those other conversations when he says, Father, and then he says, Here I am, my son. Here I am. It's my son. All that I was and all I will be is my son. God, is this what you want? You know, it starts making a little more sense. Well, it it makes sense just on the way, the normal way we read it. It's very touching. It's very powerful. And even from a human perspective, he's willing to do that. But then when you think about the theological consequences that this is his son of promise and that he's still willing to do that, and it says in Hebrews that what, what, what Abraham expected was that okay i'll do what you say lord so you know that he actually expected then that god was going to raise abraham from the from the dead mm-hmm. you know he expected him, god's going to do an even greater work of grace mm-hmm. and you know and, and that's an exciting thought really you is. Know, and just as another point out remember way back when uh, god's talking to cain and mm-hmm. right after chapter four mm-hmm. there's another verse that goes that way uh, if you put a punctuation in there, like a period. Of course, there's no punct- there's no period in the Hebrew, and so uh, it says. God says, "Hey, you know, if, if you do better, things will go better." And uh, <laughs> in verse, uh, it's like a Coca-Cola commercial. Yeah. And in uh, nine, and the Lord said to Cain, "Where is your brother Abel?" And he said, "I." And this is the way it reads in English. I do not know. Period. Sounds like a lie. Well, that's a lie. And then he says, I am, am my brother's keeper, but if I take the period out, it now reads like this. I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? 
Nobody taught me that. So whose failure was that? That was Adam's failure. They failed to teach him that he was indeed. And that contextually makes more sense because when this mark is put on Cain, God's saying, look, nobody taught you. You're still guilty of it. But it's not murder. It's more like manslaughter. But I'm going to give you a break. The punishment's not going to be instant death. It's going to be manslaughter. So you get seven generations. Now, that makes it contextually making more sense. That's why he gets seven generations. The mark is a a mark of protection, not cursing. And so he says, when he says, I do not know I am my brother's keeper. In other words, he's saying, I'm truly a son of my father. My father didn't speak to Eve. He didn't teach me. I didn't know any better. My defense is I was never taught. Hmm. So, you see, and we all refer to it as Adam's sin. We don't refer to it as Eve's sin. So, that if you take that out, it's t- contextually starts making more sense. You're talking about Adam's sin, the original sin, the disobedience. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <clears throat> And so, that starts making more sense. And it's all how you kind of put the uh, the punctuation of the period and where you mm. choose to read it. Sure. And so many times you kind of have to read it in context. and Because if God didn't put the mark of Cain so he could not be killed for seven generations, uh, that would appear that that's some kind of protection. Because Cain says, well, if anybody sees me, he's going to kill me. And God says, no, no, I'll put a mark on you. So everybody will know that you're under God's protection for seven generations. Mm. And uh, so it's it's a lesser penalty because he didn't know any better. So it's just like in our law. There's first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and manslaughter. Intentional manslaughter, negligent yeah. manslaughter. I tell you, you guys, <laughs> yeah, with the language and hey, the, history, guys, the, you know, the things that you've, you, you have a lot of insights. And, and, and I would say that uh, so very many of them make sense to us. They're in the context. In fact, is they encourage us as believers, as followers of of Jesus, and and so on. And it it really is insightful. Sometimes, though, it, it is just so new to us. It is so uh, we we have to chew on it and we have to think about it a long time before. Uh, we maybe kind of come to the point of, oh, that's insightful, that's helpful, that's encouraging, that's edifying. Uh, other times, sometimes I have to confess, yeah, I do think sometimes we got it. I think some things, uh, strangely enough. May I give you Gentile, an example? Gentiles, strengthen what you're saying. That I think Gentiles I think, have it a little bit straighter. Yeah, sure. I, I, I will give you an example. I'm going to back you up. Mm-hmm. Back I always somebody. like that. <laughs> okay. Here's a, here's an example. Uh, Lord, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh-huh. That I, will, is, I will fear no evil. Yeah, but that right there, the valley of the shadow of death, captures the idea so much better than what it actually says. Uh, what it actually says is, I walk through the valley of, of death, of death and its shadow. But I like how it says in English, so there's a syntactical way of saying it that captures the idea in a more graphic way and a shorter word. And a more poetic way. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. Now, there's an there. example where I would say that that's, uh, if I may say, kind of an improvement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, interesting, interesting. Because um, I wasn't just talking linguistically. I was talking about sometimes I think we have a better and actually, I was talking about. I was thinking about this earlier today. About uh, I love the insights. And it, remember, we were talking about 
the Bible and God's Word and how sometimes we overcomplicate it and we that that sometimes if the this just a simple clear approach and understanding can be the best you know it just but sometimes sometimes we can overthink something and we can just over explain it and, and it just I, I don't know if that's accurate or not but you guys to some you guys the jewish people you I mean you've been studying these passages for thousands oh, come on of years. you've had two thousand years i know what are you saying if i had another hundred i'd get it yeah and i guess christians have begun i have stu- i mean we do have scholars and there are theologians oh, yeah. and there are those who so, looked at some the very Hebrew good ones yeah. but 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 not as long as y'all. I mean, you you've got this Talmud, you've got this thing. I mean, thousands of books written on it, and commentary, and all kinds of opinions. What is it about any given passage? You're probably going to have about ten different opinions about what it means, and so on. Isn't that too yeah, complex? Yeah, that's probably you know three Jews, six opinions. You know? Yeah, but uh, anyway, sometimes I, I don't think always we... agree with myself. You know? <laughs> uh, you're pretty much expert on your own opinion. Uh, I understand. I, well, I I take a vote and I win. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get let's tell our listeners this three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our phone number, and if you uh, listen tonight, we're a little we're a little free to talk about almost anything we'd like. Tomorrow night, we're going to open our readings, uh, uh, God willing, if we're able to get the final, all the final details worked out, we'll be able to start our Bible reading from the book of Genesis for this coming year, tomorrow night. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we'll be covering the the opening statements, the opening chapters of the Bible, uh, as we start our way, our journey again through the uh, another year through the Bible, and we'll start at the beginning, right? A great place to begin, the creation of the world. So it could be that tonight we might want to talk a little bit about the creation and the idea. I mean, it's a very controversial idea today that evidently uh, everybody and all the pendulum is swinging toward the idea of of evolution and you know godless evolution and that sort of thing although i'm not quite sure how true that is you know you get the media and and academia and all of this behind something and it makes it sound like it's true that everybody believes that but i still don't think most you know people I, I think the media's job is to make drama and tension. Without exactly. drama and tension, there's they, no story. They don't sell would their you li- stories. Would you like to hear a true thing that happened with me? I would. I would like to tell you, too. A few years ago, I had an office downtown. And the office building I was in had a couple of empty floors. Well, there were some homeless people on, out in the city in San Antonio. It got to be very cold. So the city council was going to do a nice thing, and they had a, they so they called up the owners of the building and said, "Look, let them we'll pay we'll pay let them come upstairs and sleep on those couple of empty floors in this big office building." Uh, and uh, the media came in and they caught and as I was coming in, they spoke to me. They said, "Well, how do you feel about that? That this is an office building, and they're letting those homeless people go up there and sleep?" And I said. Well, it's uh, it's cold, and the offices are empty. I said, I don't really see a problem with that. And the reporter is sticking the microphone in my face. This is a true story. 
He said, shut it down, shut it down. He turned to a guy at the camera and he says, no, we've got to find somebody else that disagrees with us. Yeah, there's no controversy but, here. Yeah, because see, he, see, he actually said we've got to find somebody else that disagrees. I didn't create tension. So their job is, even if it's only 5% of the opinion, it gets 50% of the time because it creates an issue. What you're saying is so important for people to understand it, it, it just normal this is not particularly theological or biblical in that sort of sense although the, we could tie it in of course but th that is so true i've had that happen to me so many times that people have come and tried to interview me about uh some ministry project or the national day of prayer or I work with the you know the basic trainees at lackland and we talk, and I'll tell you know tell them the direct truth and what you know we're doing and how we're doing it, and why we're doing it, and how we're doing it. And I've heard them many times kind of put the knife across their throat or their finger across their throat and say, "Ah, turn it off. This there's no controversy here." Yeah, they, uh, and I think it's important that people understand that, like it or not, and I'm not even I'm not sure if it's I, I don't think it's right. But uh, you know, if they bleed, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, in the newspaper, you know, they they're looking for drama. They're looking for uh, controversy. They're looking. They've got to sell papers. They've got to sell airtime. They've got to sell their their program. Uh, and the sooner we learn that and see that profit motive, now we understand why. For example. CNN, MSNBC, so many of these channels have taken the tack to be unsupportive, to attack this president in all every way. And of yeah. course, I understand he's an easy target in some ways. Who was the guy who used to do Nightline? What was his name? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Ted, Ted Koppel. Ted yeah. Koppel. Well, Ted Koppel was on the show a few weeks ago. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I think I did, but go ahead. And he said, he said to the guys in charge of CNN, he said, actually, Donald Trump's the very best thing that ever happened to your network. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, listen, you guys were dying. Nobody's watching you. You have made your entire show about Donald If you didn't have him as your foible, you wouldn't have much to talk about. And the people who agree with you watch your show. He's the best thing that ever happened oh, to you. That's so true. And, and I think that needs to factor into our understanding of what's going on because some of us still think, oh, the media is just out there. They're just, you know. No, it's about ratings, and it's about listenership, and so on, and uh, these things are indeed very, very important. Well, there's our about, music again. I'd love we to tell them how much money you have to spend. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Don't go away, folks. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We're back 
our final segment of the uh, program. The, we Soapy, can I, can I make a request? Calls. Can I make a request? Yes, yes, yes. This, yes, yes. Soapy brought in a report tonight on uh-huh. the state of theology in America. Oh. It's uh, questions I ask the Christians. And it, it's uh, you do all the thinking, all the analysis, and all the wrangling in your own head, and then you just state, do you agree or disagree? And let's run through through some of these questions, Soapy, and see. They what are very, uh, very interesting. This okay. is put out by the. Uh, most of our listeners may know about the Ligonier Ministry. I forget the the director, the head of that. I think has uh, passed away. His son has picked up the ministry now. Um, RC. I'm trying to think who R.C. 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 Sproul, yes. I thought you said I.C. No, no, R.C. R.C. It's like there used to be an old Coca-Cola drink, R.C. Cola. They have gone together with another publishers. Do you know where it got the name Ligonier? No. I do. I've always wondered, actually. Because they started out in Pennsylvania before they moved to Florida, and the valley they started their ministry in was called Ligonier Valley. How about that? How about that? Like uh, some of the mountains of the Bible. Uh, So let's go to some of these questions. Yeah. Let me just explain where they're coming from. These are, they decided to do a survey of evangelical Christians. Not this is not, you know, supposedly people who uh, you know, off into error and, you know, those liberals over there and so on. This is supposedly a uh they do it every two years they put together uh they take the theological temperature of the US to help Christians better understand t- today's culture and, and find out kind of and where they we use are. an oral thermometer, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah, you know, nobody called it, I said, yeah. All right, so these are some interesting things. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. And (laughs) Do you agree or do you disagree? You just choose. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. That was the question. And 52% of evangelicals agree with that. Of course, the idea flatly contradicts the Bible, which states that the radical corruption of every human being and that we're all sinners, that uh, declares that not, no one does good by nature, Romans 3.10-12 and others. So uh, that's why we need a gospel in the first place, right? That's why we need an atonement, because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But uh, uh, that's that was the answer to that question. Now, here's another one, all right? Uh, and this shows us how much we need to have the Bible live on the radio so people can get back into hearing the book, what the book actually says. Evangelicals, here, here's another one. Uh, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, Judaism, Islam, I suppose Hinduism, others, I, you know. God accepts the worship of all religions. Including, and including uh, Christianity, Judaism, uh-huh. Islam. Mm-hmm. Fifty-one percent. The answer yes. Fifty-one percent agree, and the answer no. Forty-two percent disagree. But two years earlier, Mm -hmm. two years earlier is forty-nine percent agreeing and forty-three percent disagreeing, which means that the the number agreeing is up. You know what does this say about our? You know uh, what we're learning, what we're preaching, what we're hearing in our churches and teaching and so on. Uh, what does this say? Uh, 
of course, the Bible is clear that Jesus is the only way anyone's going to get to heaven. Anybody that gets there, whether they're Jewish or, or Hindu or whatever, or Native American from 500 years ago, anybody that ends up in glory is going to be there because of the work of atonement of the Messiah. And I think in all, and we so, have to remember that this is uh, questions among evangelical Christians. Who are supposed to kind of believe those things. Um, So there's that question. Let's see. Now, this is interesting. This is where you have 91% agreement. God counts a person as righteous, not because of one's works, works, but only because of one's faith in Jesus Christ, who he was, what he accomplished on our behalf. And 91% agree with that. That's Isn't that interesting? That's uh, while most evangelicals strongly believe in justification by faith alone, uh, they seem to be a little bit confused about Jesus himself, the Christology. Our our Christology is a little little confused. We'll, We'll see that in a moment. There was one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. 97% agreement with that. Jacob, hmm. I, I, I don't know how interesting you find these. Well, oh, no, I, and I understand the parameters that this was asking is among Christians, and and I would have expected to see actually greater than ninety-seven percent because this is Christians being being basic, asked, right? It, yeah. yeah, Jesus is the first and great first and greatest being created by God. Yeah. Now that's that's. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was Muhammad Ali was the greatest. <laughs> I am the greatest, yeah. Well, 78% say they agree. Isn't that interesting that, uh, uh, that they, the, it reflects the idea that, that Jesus is a created being, which, of course, in his role uh, in his, in his, as God, uh, the second person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, He's eternal, so he's not a created being at all. He created the world and everything around us, we're told in the Gospel of John. But uh, I, I think people are thinking about in his role of Messiah, he was uh, he Well, begotten. I think that it could be a stumbling question. Yeah, for a little worded. bit. It gets a little bit more complicated when you think of that, his role as Messiah. I would not have qualified to take this test. <laughs> no, I guess not. I would have, I guess, identify myself as an evangelical, sure. but um, yeah, that would be a good question. What is what is an evangelical? What does that mean? Uh, let's see. What what else do we have? Well, why don't you go over to the ethics part? Because some of that is fascinating. Evangel. Oh, here's what it's here's the def- definition of evangelicals. Okay, evangelicals were defined for the purposes of this research of this uh, uh, survey as people who strongly agree with the following four statements. So, folks, if you've been wondering if you're an evangelical or not, uh, these are the statements they they used as defining uh, what an evangelical is. The Bible is the highest authority for what we believe. It's the source of of truth about our belief. Uh, So that's one. Secondly, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ 
as their Savior. In other words, there's a high priority importance given to evangelism, to sharing the message of God's love and God's forgiveness with others around us and in our world. Thirdly, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the pay, the penalty of sin, of my sin, the only atonement uh, that, that, that uh, is relevant and that is effective for the forgiveness and cleansing of sin. And then finally, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Now, that's a little tricky there um, when you go back to thinking about people who have never heard and that sort of thing. Uh, how does that figure into this? But, but there's, you know, there's, that has to be discussed. But generally speaking, that's, those are the four statements that they uh, use to uh, identify what are called evangelicals. Now, let's see. U.S. adults, about the holiness of God. Uh, the state, uh, here's, here's a question. Let me find the sentence. Uh, 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 even the smallest of sin deserves uh, uh, damnation or condemnation or judgment of God. Uh, and, and the idea is that all sin, you know, the wages of sin is death, you know. And uh, if God is not holy, then sin is not a big deal. Okay, but what's our, the answer? Okay. I, the, uh, I didn't see the answer. Okay, here it is. Tw- oh, okay, 27%? State, is that right? 23? Uh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Okay, even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. Those that agree only of Christians, evangelicals, only 23%. 69% disagree. Wow, that's... that's that's fascinating to me. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is. It's also it's very right. reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, the reasonable. Uh, well, the reason. I mean, you would expect okay, that. it was a little mistake. I got by. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I see what people. Yeah, the 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 popular notion, I guess, would God God judges on a curve, right? He grades on a curve. That it, it's it's not so bad. Nobody saw it. Didn't hurt anybody. Worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. And what's how'd that come out? Fifty-eight percent agree. Fifty-eight percent. Okay. Uh, why? I don't know why we have this casual outlook of worship? Is is well, that's that's a question of how people view the church nowadays. The, the, that that building down the block with the cross on top and right. the people that meet there. Uh, that's uh, a reflection of that. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. Sixty percent agree with that, that it's all just uh, subjective. It's all just kind of what you personally believe. There's not any kind of real evidence that we can bring comes to bear to, to reveal the, the, and I, and the idea of truth. And we know that truth has taken a big shot over you the know, last this, years. That, that question is fascinating. That mm. means that only one-third of Christians think that there's an objective truth. Yeah. That's, and the, and that, these are, that's startling to and me. These are, these are evangelical Christians. And then you've got all of those, uh, you know, all those liberal, and of course they don't, of course they don't believe in truth. But then you would thought evangelicals 
we think God, the Bible is God's word that, and that we can depend upon it and rely upon it and it makes sense and there's good evidence to show that it's true and reliable that Jesus is God's son, the Messiah, and there's good evidence, that, objective evidence, historical evidence to give us confidence in that. Wow. You would think that we would have that, but uh, it says that not very many do. Let's, you want to go in and talk to Yeah, I'll talk to, take, a, take a, qu- a caller, sure. Let's see who we got here. Uh, I believe this is Bob. Bob, are you with us? Uh, yes, gentlemen. Uh, good to talk with you. Uh, Thanks for how you doing? in. And uh, I uh, just uh, decided to call when you, when you got to that question on the, you know, were, were the little sins worthy of worthy of death, eternal de- death to a person? And I was thinking, well, there are, uh, you know, you kind of disagreed with what the majority of the respondents uh, said, but uh, you know, uh, it, there are uh, strong scriptures that uh, say. Uh, there are weightier matters of the law, and then there's another scripture that says, and that would indicate there are some that are not as weighty, and then there's another scripture that says there is a sin that is not unto death. So uh, uh, Jesus said that. So, uh, you know, I would say maybe these the, they are looking at some of those passages, but the nice thing about this show is it looks at all the passages and uh, my experience with a lot of evangelical Christians is uh, they tend to cherry pick certain passages. Uh, for instance, you'll hear John three sixteen a number of times on KSLR during the day, and uh, some passages you'll never hear on KSLR. But uh, I don't know. That's just an observation that I have. But right. I kind of would, would have probably joined the majority there on that. The answer to that question uh, is that. Uh, you know, also some sins are done in ignorance, uh, yeah. and that, that also has to come into play. And, and, and Jacob was kind of referring to that, I, I think, uh, earlier when he was saying uh, uh, on, on another issue, uh, he, he was he was mentioning, uh, you know, you kind of got to, you do have, kind of have to grade on a curve. Uh, it, uh, perjury is not. There's second-degree murder and third-degree murder if you didn't do it on purpose. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, perjury is only if you knew you were lying and uh, that, that kind of thing. About a material fact. You can lie about an mm-hmm. immaterial fact, and it's not perjury. It must be a material fact. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to know that you're telling an untruth. Uh, <clears throat> you may be telling the truth as, as you know it, but you're just wrong. Well, yeah. I think the question is, it says, where is that question? It says, yeah, it's, uh, uh, here's the one that says, uh, this, uh, even the smallest sin des- deserves eternal damnation. Among the evangelical Christians, it said 23% agree, 69% disagree. Well, see, this, these questions are a little, sometimes they, they you want to not just answer yes or no, but give it a little bit of context or or. or a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I think that's why the majority came in with 69%. They said, you know, it, it, you got to look at the situation. And uh, I, I've been reading Jonathan Sachs' uh, book, uh, in God's, Not in God's Name, about uh, violence and uh, nonviolence uh, from a scriptural uh, Judaism. Uh-huh. 
and Christian and Islam perspective, and uh, he's have you got, saying, Bob, have you got to the spot where he says what the, he considers the greatest harm to Christianity or Judaism is? Well, uh, he, he doesn't want to see people doing harm and thinking they're doing good or doing evil and you thinking they're doing yeah, good. You, may, may I assist you? Yeah, you've got it. He says the greatest harm among Christians and Jews is to do evil in the name of God. You've got it, Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, that is, yeah, and that, that's the why the book is named that. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, but but he, uh, he, he goes on to some of the thinkers and rabbis, and uh, he mentions that uh, there are supposedly 70 faces to the to the Torah, in other words, 70 facets that you have to look at when you look at it, and 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 Soapy's going to say, "Well, you're overcomplicating." And then, and there's another thing. There's another <laughs> thinker. Mind, Bob. There, there, there's another thinker who says, "Well, since there were 600,000 uh, Israelis at the at the mountain, and they heard the, her, hearing the ten things, the ten commandments, that uh, there there are." 60,000 interpretations of how to how to uh, observe them. Yes. But, uh, I, I, but I've been listening to Joni James. She had this hit in 1956. It was called Give Us This Day, and she and it was a hit. Believe it or not, it was a hit back then. This was before they took prayer out of schools and stuff. Uh-huh. And and uh, she said one of her lines in the in the in the song is uh, Give us this day so we can do your commandments. <laughs> think how much things have changed now. Hey, Bob, now, I'm now the evangelicals are saying. Now the evangelicals are saying, "Oh, you don't really have to do the commandments." Well, let's they're, they're, it's, it's not many it's, people. It's a, in all fairness, I think that's why Soapy's Bible reading part of the show is very important, because in all fairness, a lot of people don't really hear the Bible; they just hear what people are talking about, what they think what it they means. What they say about the Bible, yeah. not just the Bible itself. Right. But I do want to tell you something, Bob. I know you you may have heard of this, but you know you're right when you talk about. Uh, there were 603,000 men, uh, probably between, with women and children, between two and a half and three million people at Mount Sinai. But here's the catch. If you want to clarify, yes, you could have done exactly as you said, uh, uh, that uh, there could be many interpretations, but to keep that from happening, are you familiar with a Hebrew work called Perket Avot? The uh, the wisdom of the fathers or the, well, the te- uh, ethics of the fathers. Yeah, it's kind of ethics loose, of the fathers. There you kind go. Kind of a loose translation, but in mm-hmm. there, if you go down through, it'll tell you Moses told these people, and there were seventy, and he made sure those mm-hmm. seventy understood. You recognize that number from yes. the thing in there with Jesus, huh? Mm-hmm. And then the <laughs> yeah, the seventy, people, and then and then mm-hmm. they tell. The next group. So they actually managed what the meaning of everything was. And it's all written mm-hmm. down in there, so you don't have to speculate as to what it meant. Well, it's interesting that the 70... You, tell, oh. it, it, you have... Uh, if you have six Jews, you'll have ten opinions. An opinion. Uh, I it, think that's yeah. what Bob was talking yeah, about. Yeah, an opinion, idea. of course, is, is not uh, Scripture. And that's just not the same mm-hmm. thing we're talking about at right. Mount. I know. I know the seventy. Uh, the seventy elders. They went up the mountain, part way up the mountain, and they looked at it where he had his feet, where where the Lord had his feet, and it looked like a. Uh, it looked like the sky. It looked like the night sky. It was a sapphire, uh, lapis lazuli stone. It looked like the night sky, and it kind of reminds me of our flag, 
with the fifty stars on it. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I know it's pretty moving. It's pretty moving. In all fairness, that's 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 beautiful, and it's nice. I know where you're getting that from, but uh, in all fairness, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> where, where the seventy elders go up, where I'm talking uh, part about, partway up, and then they then they eat, then they eat with they eat with the Lord, and Moses, where his feet were, and the Zer stone and all. Yeah. Yeah, that's not there. Uh, okay. And that, I know where you're getting that from. And that's fine, and I'm not objecting to it. I just want to clarify that's not extra really biblical. Right. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it is. It's in the Bible, but uh, I mean, I've read it. I've read it. It's. It's we'll in uh, next ex- week. I want. To, I'd like a chapter and verse. Yeah, call us next. Week. Okay, I'll I'll text you a chapter and verse. Uh-huh. All right, Bob. We're All about right. to go out. We'll see you guys. I got to say good. Okay. Shalom. Okay. Shalom, okay. my friend. Call anytime. Glad to hear from you. Well, yeah, this thing about sin, eh, that's again, it's one of those things. We, you know, we have our justice here. We understand that certain, and, and I think the scriptures often do talk about certain sins. Obviously, certain sins are more heinous, more terrible. How do we? Others. How do you know that, Sophie? I don't know really. <laughs> okay, a, may I, I'm talking off the top of my head. Yeah. Let me see if I can think of some biblical. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, while you're, while you're thinking, I'll give you a contrary okay, good, view. Good, thank you. All right. In it says, uh, "Honor your father and mother, so you may live long upon the land." Uh-huh. Okay. Now that's considered actually the hardest sin to honor your father and mother. The hardest. Ha- commandment. Hardest commandment. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. However, the easiest is before you take an egg from the bird, mother bird's nest, wave your hand and chase the mother bird away, which is very, very easy. But the rest of the verse says, so that you may live long upon the land. In other words, as I understand it, as traditional mm-hmm. ancient Jewish thought was, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to know what's worth 1.10 points. Mm-hmm. We don't get to make a judgment, well, I'll do nine bad ones and one good one that's worth 10, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wave my hand, yeah, so I may live long upon the land. I honor my mother and father, so I may live long mm-hmm. upon the land. In other words, it's the same thing, so we're, we're kind of taught. Uh, from the Bible, that we're not really supposed to be able to make a judgment in God's eyes what is worth a few points more and what's worth a few points less. That No, I don't know if you had time to think. No, that's that. good. It, it, I think it comes down to the the different... We talk, One thing is to talk about the state of sin, the fallen sinful nature of... Las Vegas, I don't know, Nevada? The, no, no, the state, the, the, the spiritual state of, of being uh, fallen and, 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 and um, you know, uh, fallen in sin. The other is to talk about individual sins. Uh, clearly, I think to anybody, and of course, I think biblically, it's a clear case to be made for it too, that certain things are seen as more heinous and difficult in, in, in human behavior than others. But the state of sin is an absolute because the reason for that is because God's holiness, God's righteousness is absolute. Uh, Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The soul that sins, it shall die. There's no conditions. The idea is that... Well, would you agree with this? Would you agree that there's a difference between how God sees it and what our human physical law is? I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. See, I I always recommend that we distinguish between physical, reality, material world, and in holiness or God's eyes. And even from a certain perspective, even in the Ten Commandments and the laws of God that are given to us in the Scripture, 
scriptures, aren't there certain sins that are considered more grave, more... The punishment's yeah, yeah. greater. But now, that's, but that's, that's physical. That's not giving us directions down here, but in terms of our relationship to right, him. to him. We don't know what... It's absolute. We don't know what it is for him. But in our world, uh, a sin that would... Uh, penalties of death is certainly greater than uh, making restitution. Sure. Well, the, I, I just think that, the, the, yeah, it's an absolute. All of us come, we're in the state of sin. Uh, for all have fallen short, we've all sinned, fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death, so we all are under the condemnation and of sin. Payday's coming. Yeah, and payday's coming. You said wages of sin, I said payday's mm-hmm. coming. And it will come. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Uh, Whatsoever a man uh, sows, uh, that shall he also reap. we need to bargain for some French benefits. <laughs> and remember this. Let's say good night to everyone. Please tune in Monday night, tomorrow night, folks, and see if indeed the Bible Live is able to make it back on the airwaves here in the seventh largest city in America. We hope to see you tomorrow night, all through the week, and next Sunday night as well. And always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.